0: In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel. If you have a Bible with you, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 11 and follow along while I read. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition will I make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all of your right eyes, and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then, if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah, of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, What is wrong with the people, that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them into pieces and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. When he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will give ourselves up to you that you may do to us whatever seems good to you. And the next day Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly." In this section of the story, we see the Ammonites besieging Jabesh-Gilead and trying to subjugate the people of that town. The people there were willing to make a treaty with them to be able to live in peace, but it came at a severe cost. They would have to give up their right eyes. Deciding that that may be too high a price to pay, the men of Jabesh-Gilead asked for time, and with that time they sent out messengers all over Israel, seeing if there was anyone who was willing to rescue them. Saul gets word of this, and having been anointed as king for times like this, when Israel was being attacked by its enemies, he musters together the men of Israel and they go and defeat the Ammonites and save Jabesh Gilead from being destroyed. After this great victory, Saul was held in high esteem by the people of Israel, to the point that they were willing to kill any of the people who had objected to him becoming king in the first place. Saul says, no, we're not going to put anyone to death today, we're going to celebrate what God has done. And after that, Saul's kingdom, his kingship, was reaffirmed in Israel. As we look at this story, it seems that there are plenty of lessons for us to learn about being attacked by our enemy and how we should deal with that. I think if we're honest, we find ourselves very often acting like the men of Jabesh-Gilead who, when confronted by their enemy, look to make a treaty, look to peacefully coexist. It seems that often when we face temptation, when we're being attacked by Satan's schemes, we most often look for a way to peacefully coexist with sin and its effects rather than standing firm against it. But we read throughout the New Testament that God expects us to stand firm. When we're tempted, when we undergo trials, we should stand firm in his great might. The Ammonites come to Jabesh Gilead with a plan. It's a twofold plan of intimidation and disgrace. They surround the city so that no one can get in and out and intimidate them forcing the inhabitants of that city to make a choice about whether they'll surrender or fight. And when they say they're willing to surrender, they say that's not enough. They want to disgrace them. When we think about the ways that Scripture reveals to us that Satan works in our lives, I think we see the same thing. We see intimidation and disgrace. We find ourselves in situations frequently where we have to make a choice. And because the choice is so overwhelming, we feel like we're limited to one of two choices and neither one of them are great, and we find ourselves choosing between the lesser of two evils. But the reality is even the lesser of two evils is still evil. God has called us to avoid evil and not allow Satan to intimidate us into making bad decisions. And if we're willing to make those bad decisions, we often face disgrace. We often have to come back to God and apologize for making a bad choice. We have to suffer the consequences of those bad choices, and those often have a ripple effect that can affect others and bring shame to us as those people hold us responsible and accountable for our actions. In the same way that we see parallels between the Ammonite's plan and Satan's plan to do us harm in our lives— We can also draw lessons from the way this story unfolds about God's desire for us and how we face Satan's schemes. One of the first things that we can see is that when we're faced with a temptation or an overwhelming circumstance, it is very important to be willing and able to wait on God. Very often, our knee-jerk first response will be a bad one. The men of Jabesh-Gilead were almost willing to make a treaty with the enemy, which they had been forbidden to do by Moses. But as they discussed the consequences of making that choice, they realized they need to wait and see if there was some way that God would deliver them. We need to make sure that when we're faced with tough choices, that we go to God and that we seek out His advice, His counsel, His direction, to make sure that we make the best of the situation. I think we can also take from this story our need to grieve over sin. In this story, we're told that when the messengers came to Saul and all of the people heard about what was going on in Jabesh Gilead, the people wept aloud. When we're attacked by Satan, when we're in an overwhelming circumstance or tempted to give in to a bad choice, to sin, We tend to imagine that those things are being done to us and we can't help it or control it. But the reality is that very often the circumstance has arisen out of bad choices we've made in the past. And even if that's not true, the things that are happening to us are a result of sin. That should grieve us and humble us and help us to understand how important it is to make the right decisions going forward so that we don't perpetuate these sinful cycles. It also helps us to remember and rejoice in the promises God has made us. When the messengers return to Jabesh Gilead, they tell them, tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you will have salvation. They believe that with all their hearts, and their next actions showed that they believe that because they stood up against the Ammonites. They did use some deception to buy themselves a little time. And we're told that when the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. They rejoiced. In the midst of our most difficult trials, we can still rejoice because God has promised us a way out. He has promised us salvation. If we trust in Jesus and his message, we should never fear the enemy so much that we give in to him. We should stand firm for what is right. And that's the next point. In all of these situations, no matter what our options are, we need to be looking for the choice that is right. We can't be content with just making a choice that's not that bad. We need to be willing to make the right choice. We're told in this story that the Spirit of God rushed on Saul when he heard the words and his anger was kindled. And he mustered the troops of Israel and went and fought this battle. In this story... The right thing for Saul to do was to physically go into battle. It's what he had been made king for. We need to make sure that as we look at this story, though, we don't see ourselves in the role of Saul. If we're drawing parallels, Saul is more like a Jesus figure that comes in and saves the people and fights the battle for them. The men of Jabesh Gilead weren't actually involved in the battle. They were the ones that were rescued. And our role as Christians more parallels theirs. Scripture tells us that our struggle is not with people. It's against the forces that tempt us to make bad decisions when we're dealing with people. When we get to Ephesians chapter 6 in the New Testament, there's a section about putting on the whole armor of God. And I know a lot of people read through that and anticipate fighting a battle and getting in people's faces and being protected uh, as they try to make others do the right thing. But when we read through that passage of Scripture, it's not calling us to go into battle and be offensive with our actions. It's telling us how to be equipped so that we can stand firm in the midst of this trial. As the storm blows over us, how can we make sure that we're still standing when it's over? I want to start reading Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, where it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood Four times in that short passage, Paul says, you need to stand firm. And he explains to them the way that that happens. First, we understand the enemy. It's not the people in our lives. It's the forces that are tempting us. And the way that you fight those temptations is with truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God and prayer. I don't think that's necessarily an exhaustive list, but it lets us know that we're fighting an unseen enemy with unseen resources, things that are within us. The enemy is not the circumstance or the people that are coming at us. So in order to stand against those circumstances, to make our way through them, to firmly be in the right, we have to rely on the things that God has equipped us with. And remember that Jesus has already fought the battle and won. There's no need for us to give in to the enemy, to make a treaty with him, to try to peacefully coexist. We need to stand firm against his schemes. Another thing that will help us in all of this is to unify with believers. We're told in verse 7 that Israel came out as one man. This is why they had success. Right now in our society, there's so much arguing and bickering among Christian groups that It's affected our ability to influence the society around us. And a lot of that is because there are groups who think the good fight is to be hateful and mean to those who don't believe in God and try to force them to do what God wants done. But what we see over and over again in Scripture is that when there is a battle, when the forces of good and evil come into conflict— We fight that battle by standing firm, doing the things that God wants us to do, and not giving in at all. It's up to us to do what's right, not to force others to do what's right. And there is power in numbers, so we unify ourselves with other people who are doing the right thing, and it has an effect. Not the least of which is that we get rescued. We experience salvation. I also think that it's important after we've come through the struggle, we see ourselves on the other side. We can look back and see all the ways that God blessed us and helped us through it. We need to celebrate God's blessing. At the end of this chapter, that's exactly what the people of Israel did and in the process reaffirmed Saul as king. And we're told in that last line that all of the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Too often we get Preoccupied with the fact that we had to go through the negative experience and we wish that it hadn't happened and we start dreading the next negative experience. But the reality is that God always brings us through. In Him, we are more than conquerors. And if we're willing to stand firm in His great might, we will never be defeated. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website calirachurchofchrist.org or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter